You're listening to a message from Grace Church of North Brunswick, where people are empowered, impacted, and enriched through the good news of the gospel. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website at gracechurchnv.com. And now we hope that you enjoy this message. We just pray for all the visitors that are here for the first time. God, you would just bless them. Pray for the Mantle and Phillips family, just that today would be such an awesome day for them. Uh, just pray if anyone came in here not knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, more, most importantly, we pray they would leave knowing that, Lord. If anyone came in here sick in their body or depressed or lonely, you would fill that void. Father, anyone facing financial difficulty, you would meet their needs according to your riches and glory. Father, speak to your people through me about the keys to the kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking about the keys to the kingdom. We're going to talk about key number two, which is prayer today. A few weeks ago, it was actually three weeks ago, which was the last time we were here. We had the snowstorm, and how many of you watched that webcast? I know a lot of you did, because I know how many people are watching. One day, I hopefully, you can see the reverse and see the people that are watching. How cool would that be if you could see into their house? Um, I'm sure that's coming, or might already be here. Uh, <laughs> but um, talking about the keys to the kingdom from Matthew chapter 16, when Peter got the revelation that Jesus was the Christ, it was a turning point in, the, in history. Um, and Jesus said to Peter, on that revelation, on, on this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. How many of you know that hell can't prevail against Grace Church or any church that follows Jesus? It can't. And he said, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Jesus gave the keys to the disciples. In Luke chapter 13, it talks about how the religious leaders, they kept people from having the keys. They kept people from ha- being able to enter heaven. Listen, religion will never get you to heaven. Do's and don'ts do not work. You can put up the next slide. Do's and don'ts will not work. Luke 11. Woe to you lawyers, Jesus said, or doctors of law, or people that are expecting people to be able to follow the law perfectly. I don't have to tell you what a lawyer is, right? You know all the lawyers' jokes, right? We actually have some pretty good lawyers here, so, that are Christians. Amen? John and Maria Gullius, wherever you are, we love you. Um, But it said, woe to lawyers. You know, I didn't make that up. Uh, Woe to... (laughs) Jesus said, woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. See, religion will take away the keys, the keys that Jesus has given to us. You see, Jesus could have came and went right into the temple. He could have went right to, you know, the biggest church in town and said, okay, pastor, here's the keys to the kingdom. Instead, he went to a bunch of fishermen, a bunch of tax collectors, a bunch of sinners. And he said, I'm giving you the keys. See, because the religious people were hindering people from entering the kingdom of heaven, hindering people from finding Jesus. And we never want to be like that. The leadership here, we never want to get to the point where we become religious. And when you walk in the door, we say, listen, you really need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. Listen, you don't need to do anything. Jesus did it all already. He died on the cross for your sin. He shed his blood that you could be free, that every chain in your life could be broken. And that's why I say, I don't care what you look like. I don't care where you've been. When you walk into the doors of Grace Church, you are welcome. You are here, and and we love you, and Jesus' arms are open for you. There's no judgment. We don't need to tell you what you're doing wrong. You already know. 
When, when I first met God, I didn't need anybody to tell me what was doing wrong. I needed God because I knew everything that I was doing wrong. But I needed someone to say, I love you anyway. How many of you love the fact about that? That God loves you anyway. How many of you need that kind of love? That unconditional love? Because once the conditions are on it, you'll never meet it. So Jesus said, listen, the keys, I'm giving it to the regular people. How many of you are a regular person? You put your faith and trust in Jesus. You have the keys to the kingdom. And one of the keys we talked about was worship, and Gail was singing about it. Use that key to unlock heaven. And today we're going to talk about prayer. And, and when they said to Jesus, how, do, how should we pray? He told them how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the password. You know, when you go to the door with the key and then they ask you for the password. In Jesus' name is the password. In Jesus' name is the password. Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. What did it say in Matthew 16? I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind in heaven will be bound on earth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. The keys to bringing heaven to earth, one of the keys is prayer. See, how many of you are going to live in heaven eternally one day? Hopefully. <laughs> or you're 100% sure of that. If you're not, you need to get saved today. But the Bible says we're seated in heavenly places now. We're supposed to live like we're in heaven now by faith. That's the anchor that is the whole church. That's, that's what we stand on. The fact that we are seated in heavenly places. The fact that we can pray and bring heaven to earth. We can bring health to earth. We can bring wealth to earth. We can bring peace to earth. We can bring joy to earth as we pray on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer is one of the keys. And how many of you got saved or received your salvation through a prayer, you said? Whether it was in a church or somewhere else. Because prayer opens the door for others' salvation and for your salvation. How many of you know that somebody prayed for you before you met Jesus? How many of you had people really praying hard for you? Travailing in prayer! I mean, laboring in prayer. You know, they say laboring. I think the people praying for me were in labor because it was painful. I mean, they were praying really hard. And eventually, my heart was opened. You know, it's funny. Everybody thinks that, you know, my wife saved me somehow. I don't know where they got this from. People that have been reading my book are like, your wife is so amazing. I thought, did you read the whole book? And like, no, really, people, you know, even my ghostwriter kept trying to make her out to be my savior. I'm like, look, my faith is in Jesus, okay? I mean, she's pretty close. Don't get me wrong. I mean, many times God speaks to her. Husbands, you know what I'm talking about? One of my pastors used to say, my wife's voice and the Holy Spirit's voice sound very much alike. I said, my wife's voice and the devil's voice sometimes sound alike. Very few. Not, not you. Not you. <laughs> Wait, you're my only wife I ever had. Okay. <laughs> Not you. Um, I'm dead. I'm dead. How am I going to get this back? <laughs> Do you know, I have to be so careful what I say up to here because it takes 10 positive words to negate one negative word. You know that? 
And with my wife, it's like dozens. I don't know. She's out of the norm, but I love you. You're special. You're fantastic. You're beautiful. I love your jewelry. You can go shopping. I love your watch. You can go shopping. I love that. You can go shopping. Uh, and so I got to say, you can go shopping a few times and tell her how beautiful she is, and I'm still in trouble. It's over. Forget it. Anyway, when we first met, you know, and everybody thinks she saved me somehow, you know, I actually met God first through my brother. Uh, he was a physicist, went to the Bible wrong. He became a professor of theology right now. He showed me the Bible. I started reading it at the same time I was dating her, and I needed the Bible when I was dating her. Amen? Because she was strong, you know, and she didn't believe in God. And when I wanted to talk about God, she would just say, no, I don't want to talk about it. And not, you know, imagine that. Can you imagine? You can't believe that, can you? You think I'm lying. Truth! So after a while, and then, well, it, it was that and the fact that I was on drugs that she just kind of didn't like me. I don't know, there was a few reasons, but one was I was bothering her with God at the same time I wasn't acting like a godly person. And uh, her girlfriend and her, her girlfriends and her family did not want her to marry me. And it came to one Friday, I guess it was in February of 1987, that uh, she said, I'm done with you, okay? I'm done with you leaving and never coming around. I'm done nursing you. She used to nurse me to help every week after I went on binges, and she was just done with it. And I could see all her friends and her mother like this, standing ovation. <laughs> so she, on this Friday, she said, we're done. Now, I was devastated. You know, when somebody breaks up, you get devastated. Anybody? Only one? <laughs> I'm the only person here that ever got dumped? Oh, Lord. Anyway, <laughs> I deserved it. You know, and so that weekend, it had been just before that that I had my first encounter with God. I started praying for her, not even really know what I'm doing. Just I pray that she meets God. I wasn't praying that she went out with me again. You know, I just was praying that she would meet God. That Sunday, she went to her aunt and uncle's house who were crazy Christians. Anybody know any crazy Christians? You know, the people that, you know, they just beat you over the head with the Bible. They never stop. They write your letters every week. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God loves you. You're so special. The bonds of Jesus, oh, he died on the cross for your sins, and just nonstop. I used to see her read these cards or rip them up and throw them out. Now she's sending them to everybody. <laughs> How many of you got one? With that hand right? Woo! She used to get them from her aunt and throw them out. Throw them out. So she went there for the week. She was like, she didn't want to go there. It was a Sunday. They wanted her to put the kids to bed, and they said, could you read them a bedtime story? And it was a book about Jesus. And she got saved that day. Shrimp. <laughs> what about when I get I never get that. Oh, it's so special. So she got saved that day. So unfair. Anyway, so she got saved. And, and she called me that night. Nobody was calling me. Unless it was after 2 in the morning. So nobody was calling me at like 9 o'clock at night. And I heard this voice, and it was a female. I was like, oh, who's this? And it didn't sound like her at all. I, I didn't know who it was. I, I was talking to this person. I, I was like, Alicia, is that you? She said, I, I got saved today. I was like, oh, my God. She's ahead of me now. No, I said, I said really? Because you don't even sound like you anymore. And I go like this. I said, I've been praying for you. I didn't even know what it meant, to be honest with you. 
that I was, but I was praying for her, you know. You see, because in Revelation 3.20, it says that Jesus stands at the door and he knocks. Knock, knock. Say, who's there? Jesus. Don't say Jesus who. <laughs> Look, go ahead, say Jesus who. Say it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. Now, people will say, well, this was the letter to the churches, but the church isn't in anyone. If anyone, how many of you here are in anyone or in anybody or somebody? If you're not, what are you? Uh, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. I will come in to him. He stands at the door of hearts and he knocks. And there's so many people here every week we see they pray because the Holy Spirit is here. And Jesus said, when people get saved, it's just like the Holy Spirit is like a wind that blows where it wants to blow. But when people pray and they open their hearts, the Holy Spirit comes in and gives them a new life. How many of you remember when that happened to you? Do you remember? There's been people knocking on the door for you, praying for you. And you know, the funny thing is, he knocks, but he doesn't force his way in. But we can pray and knock on the doors of, knock on the doors of heaven and knock them down. And, and we can open doors with prayer. Amen? Did you ever storm heaven with prayer? I mean, just, you know, when I was a kid and I wanted something really bad, they tell me this, I don't remember. I used to hold my breath. Until I turned blue, because I was a spoiled little brat. And I would hold my breath till I turned blue. And then I would look like, please, somebody. <laughs> but you know, in Luke, it talks about us being that kind of prayer. The kind of prayer that never stops and never quits. And it reminds me of a story that Robert Finlay told me about. Robert Finlay's son, Robbie, was going to Middlesex College, and he lost his laptop or was stolen. We don't know either one. It was gone. And that was in September or December, okay. So here, this laptop's gone. Nobody knows where this is. And Robbie's praying and Robbie's praying. And, you know, Robert and Sandy lead our prayer ministry. And uh, he finally said, I'm going to get aggressive in prayer. Now, if you know Robert, he usually keeps his top button buttoned like this. I could see him right now. If you see him praying and that top button's unbuttoned, you know he means business. When he does it, he goes like this. He opened that top. He said, I started praying in faith like to storm heaven. Did you unbutton your shirt? You did? You probably weren't even wearing a shirt. You had ripped it off. I'm praying now. <laughs> he meant it. And he literally, this is what he prayed. He can tell you the story later, I'm sure much better, but he prayed that whoever had that laptop would be terrorized. I even hate to say that word, but he prayed they would be terrorized with guilt and all this other stuff. How long ago was it? Okay. And when did they bring the laptop back? This past Wednesday, they brought back the laptop. 
And then Superman buttoned his button right back up and went back to his normal life. I love you, Robert. Look at that, though. He prayed. And something happened in the spirit. Because when you pray to knock the door down, you knock the door down. You know, I love the, our prayer team because I know they're not in that room going, okay, I hope Pastor Joe makes it through the service. No, no, no. They're praying for power. They're praying from, for, for doors to come crashing down so God can come in. He stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. Will you pray and let him in? Okay. It says in Matthew 25 and Luke 13 that there are some that one day they'll go and the door will be closed. Strive to enter now because when the master of the house has shut the door and you begin to knock, Lord, open the door. He'll say, I don't know you. Pray, open the door of your heart today. You don't want to be left out. Because there will come a time when there will be no more time. Amen? A lot of people say, oh, I'll, you know, I'll do that church thing later on in life. Well, Jesus told the parable about a man who said, I'll do it later. And his life was taken from him. And it, it happened so fast, you know. People are dying all over the place without Jesus. It happens quick. They don't know. You can't plan to do something in the future. You need to do it right away. He stands at the door and he knocks right now the door of your heart. Will you open in prayer and let him in? So prayer opens the door to salvation, number one. Number two, it opens the door to healing. James 5.14. Is anyone among you sick? Is anybody here sick? Raise your hand if you're sick. Yeah, don't be afraid. I'm not talking about if you're sick. I'm talking about if you're sick. Some of you are sick. <laughs> I'm sick. <laughs> We're all a little sick. But if you're sick in your body, if you're sick in your spirit, it says this. It says, call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over you. Anoint you with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise them up. Why call the leaders? Why call the elders? Why, why not just call your cousin? Or why not just call your friend? Because they've used the keys before. They've used the, the keys before. How many of you know, you know, like you, you play sports or something, you had to get into some building, and you know they give keys to anybody these days. You know when they give a big thing of keys to somebody, they think they run the show. You know, they, they get that authority. It's like, I need to get in. Oh, wait, I'll get there. Because they got the key. Or, but when the guy that's supposed to open the door isn't around, the assistant comes and, and you're waiting to get in the, the room and he's got this big roll of keys and he's got to try all these different keys. Ever been there? It's like, could you get there? I don't know what key it is. But when you call the pastors and the elders of the church, they've used the keys before. Can I say that again? They've used the keys before. They've seen people be healed. It says the prayer of faith. How does faith come? By hearing the word, by prayer, by commitment to God. Don't let just anybody pray over you. I don't need no mashed potato prayer or some mincemeat prayer. I need filet mignon, lobster, Kansas City ribeye prayer. The fast is over, okay? I don't need chopped turkey, chopped ground beef prayer. I need filet mignon. I'm hungry. <laughs> I need T-bone. I need Ruth Chris prayer. Amen. Yeah. 
Go to somebody who has faith that's, that's used the keys before, that's seen somebody heal, that believes your cancer can be healed, that believes your tumor can be gone, that believes your marriage can be better, that believes you can prosper. That's why I tell my prayer people, if you're not praying in faith, I don't want you praying for anybody. Anybody could say, oh, Lord, if it be your will, maybe, possibly. No, that's not a prayer of faith. A prayer of faith will heal the sick. And listen, so that but people that will, well, I don't know, they didn't get healed. Shut up and pray and pray and pray and pray. And when everything else is done, pray. Because you're not responsible for the outcome, but you are responsible to do what you can do. The prayer of faith will heal the sick. We'll never totally understand God or faith. We're, we're walking out our salvation with fear and trembling. But do what you're called to do. And when you're in the midst of it, sometimes it's hard when you're sick to pray for yourself or when it's your family to pray for you. You need somebody else that could see over it. Years ago when we had the little building, remember the Visiting Nurse Association, Mr. Mayor, that we were in? It was a small little building. How many of you were here in that building? The stage used to be over there. We used to walk in there through the back. I used to jump over there. Now I jump over here. Um, and I remember, you know, we made all these plans to do a million-dollar expansion, but we didn't have any money. We didn't have any banks to say that we'd give any money. And I remember I took the building plans, and I was reading Hezekiah. Remember Hezekiah? He laid out Sennacherib's negative letter before the Lord. It says he spread it out before the Lord. He said, look, see, Lord? And sometimes churches will do that with their bills. Like, how many of you get a bill every once in a while? Come on, raise your hand. How many of you just can't wait to open it? It's like bad news. You put your PSC&G bill down, and you're like, Lord, look what they're doing. Just get solar. Just get solar from Pastor Kev. The sun. Use the sun. Anyway. You know, you're like, Lord, look what these people are doing. So I took the plans for the church, for the new, and I put them here, right on this. It was the altar over there. And I went up, and I said this prayer of faith. No, I didn't. I was like, Lord, oh, God, what am I going to do? Wasted all this money on an architect that costs more than the building. We don't have any money. <laughs> Oh, pretty close. So I'm down there, and of course, at that time, we had a Filipino in the church. He's still here, Randy Antiporto. And see, you all see Randy, and you just, like, as soon as you see him, you're just like, you want to laugh, because he's like a comedian. He's like a walking comedian, right? But he's a mighty, powerful man of God. And he was the last person I thought that was going to walk up to the altar behind me and put his hand on me. Boom. I was like, what's that? It's Randy. Now, at first, I, I want to laugh because it's Randy. I'm like, what's Randy going to do? And he said, Pastor, this is not your battle. And he started speaking, and he said, God's going to make a way. This building's going to be built with or without you. And at first, I was like, whoa. Oh, I don't know if I like that, Randy. <laughs> but he was speaking the truth. Because I was counting on me. 
He was counting on God. But I was in it, and I was emotional, and I was scared. But he saw over that, and he said, it will come to pass. And two months later, we got the money to build the building. I'll never forget that, Randy. Never forget that. You look the same as that day. Do you ever age? <laughs> what he said. <laughs> so, prayer opens the door to salvation, opens the door to healing. Finally, it opens the door to God's blessings. James 5.16, the effective prayer of a righteous man avails much. I told you I could preach quick. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain the land for three years or six months. He prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruits. 1 Kings 18.41. Here's what it's talking about in James in the New Testament. It's talking about this specific passage. Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink, for the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. He bowed down to the ground, put his face between his knees, and said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot, and go down before the rain stops you. And it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. Now, let's break this down. Let's start with 1 Kings 18.41. Okay? Let's put that up. 1 Kings 18.41. So Elijah said to Ahab the king, go up and eat and drink, for there's a sound of abundance rain. The word sound is the Hebrew word kol. It's when it talks about the voice of the Lord in the wilderness, in, in, in Eden. It talks about the shofar, the sound the shofar makes. It's talking about a voice, a sound, but it's not a sound that everyone hears. It's a spiritual sound. It's a sound of God speaking. See, a lot of people hear God's word or hear a message, but they don't really hear God. Go up, eat, and drink, for there's the sound. Even though it's not raining, there's a sound of it. Now, right before this, Ahab challenged all 850 prophets, 450 of Baal, 400 of Asherah on Mount Carmel. Everybody know that story. And when it was over, when God showed that he was God... Elijah killed 450 of Baal's prophets. Nice guy, Elijah. He stomped out the lie. The sound they had been hearing up until that point was the sound of the enemy. And many of you, that's the voice you hear in your life. You hear the sound that you're not going to make it. You hear the sound that your marriage is never going to make it. You hear the sound that your kids aren't going to make it. You hear the sound that you don't have a future. You hear the sound that you're going to be sick and die right away. You hear the sound that your finances are never going to be right. There is a sound of negativity. But right before he heard the sound of abundance, the sound of the enemy had been killed. Before you can really hear God, you've got to cast down the sound of the enemy. Say, I'm not going to listen to that anymore. Say, I'm not going to listen to the lies anymore. You want to know what lies are of the enemy? Anything that isn't positive. Let's just get real here. God loves you, cares for you, has a great plan for your life. Judgment's over. Jesus took it. That's it. Anything you hear that isn't good isn't God. God is good. Everybody goes all the time. 
Right? You, you hear that, right? God is good. Yeah, you can say it. So if God is good all the time, don't listen to something that isn't good. Because it's not God. So the voice of negativity, the voice, the false voice was killed. And then Elijah was able to hear the real sound, the sound of abundance. So he went to eat and drink, and he went to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed on the ground and put his face between his knees to pray. Pray what you hear from God. Pray the word that he gives you, not what everybody else says. When this church was started 15 years ago, nobody was in agreement with me. Nobody. 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 But I heard a voice that said, you will preach in North Brunswick. You will start a church in North Brunswick. You will do that, and that's it. And that's what I prayed, and that's what I did. That's it. There comes a time when you just do it. Right, Pat? You were here when there was eight people. You know what I'm talking about. When you left, we only had seven. <laughs> You pray what you hear. If you get a word that you're healed, pray that you're healed. If you get a word that God wants to bless you, pray that God wants to bless you. Pray what you hear. And that's what he did. In verse 43, he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. The whole worship team can start to come on up right now. So here's what happens. So... He hears this and he starts praying for rain. And then he tells his servant to go look for what he's praying for. Go look. So his servant went up and looked. Why? Because he's his servant. If he tells his servant to do something, his servant does it. See, so many people, they, pray, they hear from God, they pray, but they don't look for the answer. They don't look for the answer. And here's the thing about this situation. Elijah can't control the rain. He can't. Elijah can't control the cloud. He can't. But there was one thing that he could control, his servant. So he said, go and look. In 2000, when I was in debt, out of work, I needed a job. Right, huh? Oh, yeah. We prayed. We I didn't get down like, and, and put my head between my knees because I can't. I'm just not. I can't do yoga and stuff like that. I, just, I can't sit like when you cross your legs like this. Can't do it. If I'm going to pray, like, I just go, kind of go like this. And, oh! Anyway. He was really, but whatever it is for you, we, did, we prayed. I mean, we prayed. And then for a job, and then I got a phone call from an employment uh, agency saying, we found a job for you. My first reaction was, I'm not taking that job. She said, wait a minute. We have been praying for this. Stunad, just throw that in there. We have been praying for this. We have been praying for God to give you a job. The phone just rang with a job. What's the matter for you? What are you? <laughs> That's the answer to the prayer. See, I wasn't looking. She was. I retired from that company seven years ago because she was looking. Look. Keep looking because the answer is on the way. 
But you must look. That's one thing you can't control. You can look. And this is what happens. This is what the servant said. There's nothing. Next verse. There's nothing. So what did Elijah say? Go again. Because something's coming. Listen. There had been a famine for three and a half years. Do you know there comes a time when you have a famine or a certain in your life, like you haven't had joy for a while, or you haven't been blessed financially for a while, you haven't had your health for a while, so after a while, you're just like, it's never going to happen. There's nothing. I say to you, go again. I say to you, look again. Because if you prayed for it, and you looked for it, and it was God speaking to you, I promise you it's coming. I promise you it's coming. Their famine, sometimes our famine has been so long that we stop praying. Because we think it doesn't work. Elijah said, nope, pray again, look again. Pray again, look again. Pray again, look again. Look again. Daniel, remember Daniel, he prayed. And an angel finally got to him after three weeks. Found his laptop. No, I'm just kidding. Angel finally came. After three weeks, and said, I've been trying to get to you, but I've been battling principalities. There's a battle. You don't just go pray and then, okay, I'm done. No, it's a battle. How many of you will fight for what God has spoken to you? How many will pray for what God has said will come to pass? And then on the seventh time, See, the seven, seven is God's number of completion. He created the earth in seven days, the week is seven. It's obviously, that's his number of completion. In God's timing, the seventh time, it says verse 44, then it came to pass the seventh time. And the servant said, wait, there is a little cloud. As small as a man's hand rising up out of the sea. So what does Elijah say? That's it. That's all I need to see. Just a little cloud. And he said, Ahab, get out of here because it's going to rain like crazy. So he started speaking faith before it started raining. He said, leave because I saw enough. I saw a little cloud. Let me tell you something. I believe that the reason it was little to him is because it was far away. But guess what? That little cloud started getting closer to that mountain. And guess what that cloud got? Bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until it poured heavy rain on the place so heavy that Ahab would have been stuck in the mud. See, there might be something little that you see, but you don't understand. It's coming. It's coming. And the closer it gets, the bigger it gets. Do you see what I'm saying right now? The closer it gets, the bigger it gets. And then you start to say, it's coming. Your healing's coming. Your blessing's coming. Your better marriage is coming. Your kids coming home is coming. All the things that God has spoken to you that you are praying for. Your husband's coming. Your wife's coming. Get ready, because <laughs> your mate's coming. Whoa, you better pray about that one. It's coming. So he started saying, it's coming. And then what happened? It happened. And it didn't just rain a little bit. It rained heavy. 
When barren women come to us and say, we want to have a baby. I go like this. It's coming. And it does every time. And if we touch it with two hands, it's twins. <laughs> but I'm just saying to you, listen to me. When you pray in faith and really believe. See, I believe that God wants to do that. See, in, in James 5.18, this is the last scripture. I just want to bring you back there real quick. This is what Elijah prayed. He basically prayed. Put that scripture in James up, the last one. He prayed and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Now look, look at this for a second. The earth was created to do what? To, pr pr to produce. This isn't like some crazy prayer for God's blessing on you. God is there to bless you. It's just the natural thing to do for him. That's who he is. That's what he is. So when you pray for that, it's going to happen. Period. He prayed, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced what it does. It's there to do what it does. God is there to do what He does. Why would you be afraid to pray for it and get into agreement with God for doing exactly what He does? That's why every week when I pray that souls will get saved, that's what God does. That's who He's in the business for. And I'm in the family business. Amen? I'm half Jewish in the family business. That's how we know Jesus was Jewish. Right? He stayed home till he was 30. He worked in the family business. And his mother thought he was God. So that's why we know that Jesus was Jewish. It's the truth. Every Jewish mother thinks their son is God. It's the truth. Point is, we're just going to pray for what he does. So let's bow our heads. I want to make sure that everybody here knows Jesus is their Lord and Savior. I'm sorry we went a little longer than today, but we had the mayor here. We dedicated a baby here today. Just want to make sure everyone here knows Jesus is their Lord and Savior. He died on the cross for your sins. He's knocking at the door of your heart right now. Will you open it to him? You pray, you maneuver something in the Spirit that opens your heart to Him. So say this prayer with me. Say, Father, I know that Jesus is your Son. I know He died on the cross for my sin. Three days later, you raised Him from the dead. So I can have a new life. I open the door to my heart now for eternity. Jesus, come into my heart. Make me a new person. I receive your sacrifice now. And the password is in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody's eyes closed, head bowed. If you said that prayer for the first time, you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you want to be 100% sure, you will spend eternity in heaven. If that is you, raise your hand right now. You said that prayer, you meant it. You want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Amen. Those of you that raised your hand, could you stand to your feet real quick? Come on. Go ahead. Stand up. Do it. Do it. Do it. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. Come up here. Come here. 